HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. It's the height of summer right now, and I hope everyone's uh, celebrating it well with plenty of backyard food parties, uh, plentiful meats on the grill, and more and more I'm seeing people opt for a smoker in addition to that grill, or maybe as my uh, guest here today, um, instead of a grill, <laughs> uh, as he did many years ago um, before starting his own barbecue joint. Um, in Austin, Texas. It is called Franklin Barbecue and only opened in uh, 2009. They have like really launched to the top of the pinnacle of barbecue um, awards in this country and won so much acclaim and they've just put out a book just in time for your uh, DIY barbecuing uh, this summer. It is called Franklin Barbecue, of course, and it's Aaron Franklin. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm good. I'm good. Um, well, thanks can, for having me. Yeah. So this is a really wonderful story that you have, and um, you put a lot of of um, you put a lot of care into this book and to teach people how to how to make barbecue um, like you did. Um, so I wanted to ask a little bit um, about like the rise of popularity in barbecuing, and um, you know, barbecue is nothing new. People have been doing it in pits and backyards for ages. Um, so I guess first of all, do you think there is, uh, given where you are in Texas, um, this newfound resurgence of interest, like from the food paparazzi, if you will, in barbecue itself? And if so, then why do you think it has captured the attention of so many today? Um, you know, that is a good question. There's definitely a huge uh, barbecue movement, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, but it has been around forever. It's, it's certainly nothing new, and I'm not doing anything new and or exciting, really. <laughs> but um, I think people kind of, 
you know, like kind of the way like food trends go, like, you know, back in the day of more processed foods and then mm-hmm. kind of leans towards crafty stuff. I think that, you know, just kind of like younger people getting excited about the craft of barbecue, um, you know, is probably the biggest thing for, right. for barbecue getting so popular these days. And also internet stuff. Uh. I mean, if you look back in the day, um, when I cooked my first brisket, I, I got on the old dial-up and uh, I couldn't find it anything to help me figure out how to cook a brisket and uh, now you go anywhere and you know some yahoo's got youtube videos um his name is franklin um and uh you know i mean there's stuff all over the internet so i think that has a pretty big part of it too interesting so maybe before it was sort of like you kind of had to see it and be there to do it and kind of take well yeah you kind of had to be there you kind of had to you know hang out around it and then you know you get into the regionality of it Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people that learned how to do barbecue, they were kind of taught by somebody or maybe like their parents did it or the grandparents did it. And yeah. uh, it just kind of got passed down. But now with just the way, you know, technology kind of works and, you know, you can really you can learn how to do anything <laughs> you want to do no matter where you're at. That's true. Um, so many cultures have their own brand of barbecue, like a whole animal roast or asado in Argentina. In Argentina, ah, I can't speak today. Uh, <laughs> Argentina, there you go. Argentina, and you know Korean barbecue, for instance. Um, but your particular brand of barbecue is Central Texas, I believe. And um, yeah, 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 it's yeah. real specific Central Texas. Um, it's really was kind of founded by German and Czech settlers. That's kind of how the Central Texas meat market style came to be, days for refrigeration, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, so, I mean, the the real basic German-Czech barbecue is really just salt, pepper, cook it till it's tender, mm-hmm. and then cook it a little bit more, probably, and really no sauce. So wow. that's just about as pure as it gets. That's right. Okay, so salt and pepper, and it's all about the wood, though, and the smoke and getting that right. Yep, which yep. Is- and in Central Texas, we have post oak, which is an indigenous oak uh, wood. In Central Texas. Gotcha. Uh, I should preface this conversation by saying that I am from New York and New Jersey, and I, <laughs> I actually did make um, a trip once to Lockhart and went to Smitty's, um, the legendary uh, barbecue joint um, just outside of Austin, and it kind of blew my mind. So it's a pretty cool place. I yeah. mean, it, you know, how many places in this country are still around where you could walk in? look at the fire on the floor and just kind of hang out in the smokehouse and all this meat's coming off. It's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. Special place. I was like, is that safe? <laughs> but, <laughs> no. Um, so I, one thing that I thought was um, really endearing is that um, barbecues tend to be a family business. Yours is um, run by yourself and your wife, Stacy, um, right. and it's named after your last name. And I see that a lot, you know, Franklin barbecue and uh, Smitty's or um, Kreutz's and, um, even here in New York, uh, our friend Dan Delaney called his barbecue place Delaney Barbecue. So, um, mm-hmm. is that just like a tradition, or is it is it from um, the deli tradition? It, yeah, it might be a bit of a tradition, you know, passed down from family member to family member to family member. Um, that's kind of how it started. But uh, really, we just couldn't come up with a better name. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought really long and hard about it, and I just wanted <laughs> an anonymous name. I didn't want my name on it necessarily. Um, you know, we hadn't opened yet. We didn't know if it was going to be any good. We had no idea. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so we kind of pretty much just ran out of time. We're like, well, I guess we'll name it Franklin Barbecue. There you go. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Uh, like... And in hindsight, I'm glad we did. Mm-hmm. It, it probably worked out for that. Yeah. Well, you you also seem to you write that you have a sort of infatuation with a certain roadside roadside style of Americana from the 40s, 50s, uh, and 60s. Yes. 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 
Yeah. Why is that? Tell me about barbecue from this time. Is that something that um, was like the height well, of barbecue? I don't think it has anything to do with barbecue from that era oh. necessarily, but I'm a huge fan of Americana stuff. I love Route 66, love Googie architecture, <laughs> coffee shop style architecture, any of that stuff. I'm all over it. <laughs> and uh, really, you know, when we built the restaurant, built the trailer, we kind of just took stuff from our house. I mean, we love vintage stuff. Anything from the 50s, 60s, streamlined modern, even before that, I'm a huge fan. So right. I think it's just kind of more in our personalities that kind of intertwine yeah. with the barbecue necessarily than the era uh, in barbecue history. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, the sign for Franklin Barbecue is definitely in that um, in that uh, aesthetic. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah it um, definitely is. Well, one thing you do do differently, you write, um, from a... Uh, you know, many different barbecue joints is that you use only humanely raised um, pastured meats. And that Correct. was a decision, a uh, very conscious decision to make. And it's more yeah, expensive yeah. for you. <laughs> um, why is that? Well, I mean, I don't want to eat something that's not all natural. I want to know that our animals are coming from a happy place and, you know, they're treated well. They're, they don't have growth hormones, antibiotics, any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I sure wouldn't want to run a restaurant serving anything but that so yeah it seems it's really just kind of a no-brainer that's great um you know when meat is like the the main product on the menu it's like yeah your ingredients uh you're taking the extra step there so i re really want to commend that here um yeah, was was that difficult to, to find enough supply because you guys go through thousands of pounds of meat a day and oh my you... gosh <laughs> it is probably the hardest thing about my job is oh. working that stuff you know and <laughs> It, uh, yeah, yeah, a whole lot of work goes into that. Yeah. You know, as far as, like, our brisket, for example, that, I mean, that's obviously what we sell the most of. Uh, right now, we're at about thirty-two to 34,000 pounds a month. Wow. And, uh, and then you think of how many briskets come off of a cow. Well, you only get two, left mm -hmm. and right side. So then you think of how many cows that is. That's 100 briskets a day, 50 cows a day. That's a lot, a lot, a lot it of is. meat. And to be able to source that and keep it all natural and keep it ethical is pretty gosh darn hard. So, yeah, I spend a lot of time on that. And we really only get them from one place. Right. But then, um, you know, if something happens to that one place, then what do you do? There's really just not enough supply around. Well, obviously, you know, even though you are buying pretty significant amounts of meat, um, you're not, you're just an independent single uh, restaurant, unlike a, a major chain. Like when they make these decisions, it really changes the whole um, system and creates more demand mm -hmm. for this type of meat. Do you see uh, more farms offering and starting to, you know, uh, supply this demand due to your restaurant? Yeah, I think people try, but the the problem was, well, so the problem is with us, if, if somebody new comes along, is that if we can't get everything, it's either all or nothing. You know, mm. there's no, you know, like, oh, yeah, we'll get a half of our briskets from this guy because they're all different. They're different animals. They're from different regions. They were harvested in a different place, so oh. they were, you know, fabbed in a slightly different way. So really, slabbed. for consistency purposes, we only get stuff from one place. But, yeah, I mean, there are tons of ranches that are doing all natural stuff, and they're pretty small, and that's where we get our other meats from. Like our beef ribs come from a place in Cameron, Texas, called 44 Farms. Um, you know, our ribs come from a couple different places. So, you know, there's always that, but I think a, a lot of people do try to do that stuff. But then you throw in the corporate stuff, like chains. That, like, our all-natural stuff isn't necessarily affected by commodity stuff, but yet mm -hmm. it is a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it's certainly influenced by it. But, um, yeah, I mean, say, like, you think Arby's with this brisket sandwich that they did. I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was outrageous how much meat they were going through yeah. on this stuff. And it jacked up prices, and then you figure... 
you know, if these guys are going to do sell like a million sandwiches with brisket, then it's going to take three years to reflect, um, you know, brisket. more cows. So by the time they're, you know, they're born, blah, 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 you take them to harvest. That's about a three-year period. So then the prices kind of fluctuate. And, you know, so, yeah, it gets a little bit tricky for sure. Um, yeah, brisket prices have just skyrocketed. It's 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 unbelievable. Um, it used to be that brisket was the cheapest, inexpensive cut, which is why it had to be you know cooked so laboriously um, to make it to render it good. Um, but nowadays, that's the most expensive cut. How ironic! Um, yeah, you know. mm, it's like ten thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. Mm. <laughs> it's ironic, don't you think? Um, well, you Sorry. know, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, um, waves and, and trends and, and I don't know what, but, um, you know, it used to be that pork belly was like so uh, inexpensive. Well, it was actually not even found in most American butcher shops because it wasn't something people wanted to buy. But nowadays yeah. here, that's pretty expensive, too. So, yeah, well, it just kind of goes with, you know, if something kind of gets gets more popular, jack up the prices on this, start trimming this a certain way, kind of butchers start changing the way they do stuff to go with you know retail markets but eh, it all makes sense hey. it's kind of a bumper a place that only sells meat and only sells you know four different types of meat uh, um i'm curious are you going to try different cuts are you going to smoke maybe uh i don't know some uh um awful <laughs> next or something mm, that sounds awful <laughs> um <laughs> No, not really. I mean, no. we're a barbecue place, and in Texas, you absolutely have to do brisket. It would be cool to kind of offset that mm. a little bit, but yeah. it, it would be such a logistical nightmare at the restaurant. Every piece of meat has a dedicated spot on a cooker, and if you throw in something else, it just kind of throws a wrench in the whole system. Mm, I see. And then you look at service, and where's it going to get held? How's it going to get cut? You know, it kind of, that stuff kind of, we're so, we're so busy for that five-hour period during service that just even having like a special like beef ribs on the menu it's just kind of slows down the line by about three seconds a customer. Mm-hmm. But it averages out too, so then there's kind of that stuff to figure out. Wow. Wow. Really but yeah, interesting. We do, I do like to play with stuff. I think we might start doing chicken pretty soon. Oh, cool. Um, just for fun. And then, you know, we do specials. We do beef ribs on Saturdays, and sometimes I'll do prime rib or something like that. So if, if something good comes along from a good ranch. That's a good, um, that's a good little uh, highlight for things up to coming up um we're gonna cut to a quick little commercial and musical interlude but we'll be right back chatting more listening to Intrigue by Obesity. This is Eat Your Words on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. 
I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will, too. And I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words, and my guest today is Aaron Franklin, who has just written the Franklin Barbecue, a Meat Smoking Manifesto book, um, which is a delightful cookbook. And thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I, I love that you break down your day beginning at 2 a.m., uh, tending the smoker, and then going on to, I don't know, a whole lot of stuff before <laughs> the whole day is done. So, um, wow, Are you... Thank you for taking the time out. I can't imagine the lunch lines right now. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so you also, um, you know, you came into this. Uh, your parents had a, um, a barbecue restaurant for a while when you're growing up. But um, you didn't really, like, decide right then to become a barbecue pit master. Um, it was after doing music. Uh, you were in, playing in several bands throughout the years. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so you write also that um, playing a band, playing in a band at a show is similar to putting on a barbecue. There, there, there's a little bit of synergy there. Um, oh, totally the same thing. Really? How so? Uh, yeah, I think so. And well, I mean, because you think of it, if you're in a band, you know, you're gonna you're gonna practice a little bit. You're gonna learn how to do whatever instrument you're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna get good at it. Then you're pretty much. You know, working up to a show, if you're going to go on tour, you're going to practice. If you're going to record an album, you know, you practice, you go on tour, you get, you just play as much as you possibly can. It's the same thing with barbecue. You just barbecue as much as you can. Practice makes almost perfect, hopefully. And then by the time you finally get there, you know, service, which is, you know, opening up for the day, you're on stage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's go time. So, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. And the kind of the way that I've always been in bands and, and the bands have been run you know it's pretty much how we run our kitchen and our whole restaurant mm-hmm. so I think I think the way that we do the restaurant is really played in in line with the playing music well that's really that sounds like a lot of fun and um, there's a lot of passion that goes into it I also think that there's something similar about uh, having the guts to think that you're gonna you know make it as a musician um, or um, as a <clears throat> Intrepid on a uh, restaurateur. So, uh, congrats for. Well, I think yeah. I think you know as far as like opening up or like you know playing in a band. I think if you just kind of follow your heart and you do mm-hmm. something that you're proud of, who cares if you're busy or not? Who cares? Like if you can be a little bit just busy enough to pay your bills, you've totally you've succeeded. Like that's yeah. great as long as you stay in business. And kind of the same thing with a band. I mean, if you can play in a band and you're enjoying it, that's really what it's about. I think it's more about a quality of life than anything. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you can have, I think, absolutely. I think it make would it be up. interesting to go into something, and be like, you know, I'm going to be awesome at this, and I'm going to take over the world. Right. That seems a little strange. Right, right. You know, so, just do do what makes you happy. Yeah. So when you opened Franklin Barbecue, it wasn't about becoming like the most critically acclaimed barbecue restaurant. It was about having a family business, doing something that you loved. And yep, then, absolutely. And then this on the side just sort of happened. <laughs> Turns no, out but, we got really busy. Yeah. No, but really, how did you um, um, how did you become so good at the craft of, of barbecue? Well, 
I don't really know that we are that good at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everybody's good at certain things, and everybody's kind of, you know, I mean, it's barbecue. You could Anybody could have a bad day, and anybody could have a pretty good day. I yeah. think being consistent and being able to recognize when you mess up or recognize when you do something really well and just kind of find it a groove. I mean, that's how... That's just how barbecue is. I mean, you cook it every day. Eventually, you're going right. to kind of get a groove right. and get pretty good at it. Um, That's really you know, cool. And I think, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. I love that you kind of like state in the beginning of the sort of recipe section that, um, you know, barbecue, there's no one exact formula or recipe that you should follow because there's so many variables and it's just... I mean, it's a long process, you know, starting with the choosing of meat and, uh, you know, there's no... There's no exact formula for this type of yeah, food. Yeah, there is is no recipe other than barbecue sauce that will actually work for barbecue. Mm-hmm. You oh. know, it's all, I mean, you've got a fire that's variable. You've got a piece of meat that could be little. It could be big. It could be thin. It could be thick. It could be fatty. It could be lean. Like how, like, you really have to develop a feel for these things. It's more of a craft right. than being able to follow a black and white recipe, which is why that book actually almost didn't have any recipes in it <laughs> at all. Um, let's talk about those sauces. Um, you do have a few recipes for sauces. Um, and you said, you said earlier though, that, um, traditionally the Texas style, you don't have sauce or what's uh, up with that? You know, I mean, kind of the, the <laughs> consensus is in central Texas. If you have to put sauce on it, it must be pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I um, can see that. You know, you're trying to cover up something. You're trying to cover up, you know, just maybe not a great cook, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, I like chopped beef. It's great. Mm-hmm. I ate a sandwich yesterday. Yeah, um, but- if it's seasoned. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, so we have sauce. And, uh, you know, I figure if, if you're going to have sauces, you might as well make them pretty good. I like that you have an espresso barbecue sauce. That sounds like a really nice little compliment there with the smokiness and then the earthiness oh, of espresso. I think so. Yeah. And you're a, you're an espresso fanatic, aren't you? I, you yes, I that. am. <laughs> I, uh, I, I consume so it's no the surprise. espresso many times a day. <laughs> Um, let's talk a moment about sides. I get the sense that there's this general lack of interest among true barbecue people um, in sides in general. Man, I think I think you nailed it. There is <laughs> definitely a lack of interest in sides. <laughs> I mean, you write in your side section, which, by the way, only has three recipes. That's even less than the sauces. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we just do three sides. Yeah, you, gonna, you're right. I'm going to up books just with, you know. Dinky recipes. It sounded kind of reluctant. <laughs> yep. I mean, I love the beans that we do at the restaurant. They're super flavorful. Um, those beans are, I think, is is totally my favorite side. Potato salad's great, but it's really just potato salad. I mean, it's mayonnaise, mustard, yeah. pickles, and salt and pepper. It's not not rocket science. So yeah, yeah I think uh, I think uh, for a lot of restaurants, you know, like one of the most insulting things you could hear about a restaurant is like, oh, yeah, how was that place? Oh, man, the coleslaw was delicious. Oh. God, that, so, that burns. Okay. You know, so. I can see it. So you think that, like, by putting more attention into the sides, that that would take something away, for, or that people would think that your your meat isn't as good. Do you th- is that the Yeah, idea? I kind of think so. I mean, you yeah. work so hard to cook a piece of meat, and, you know, you lost a night's worth of sleep. You've been cooking this thing for 16 hours, watching a fire. Yeah. And then the potato salad's a good thing on the menu. Mm. That would that would kind of hurt your feelings a little bit. Yeah, but if I may play devil's advocate a moment, um, uh, you know, what about, like, complimenting and brightening those flavors in the barbecue by surrounding it with complimentary things? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Harmony. I think it's great. Although it does go a little bit against the German Czech meat market style. Okay. Because that's, 
you know, just served on butcher paper traditionally. And in fact, you know, like you went to Smitty's, um, a lot of those Lockhart places don't even have sides. Oh, I got to say, again, as a total Yankee, like, I really liked Smitty's. I liked the sausages. I liked the barbecue. I thought the sides really stank. Like, they were really yeah. bad. And I was, like, shocked that about this, like, you know, dichotomy, like, this cognitive dissonance between the two foods. I thought it was a missed opportunity, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think from, like, the perspective of a, of a you know, grumpy old barbecue guy, mm-hmm. I think if you were inside the kitchen cooking on a stove, trying to make really good sides, you probably weren't watching your fire very well. Uh-huh. I see, so I it see. Seemed, Because it's not like a full kitchen. Like, you look at a traditional kitchen, you've got prep guys, you've got, you know, the people doing this, you've got all these different stations. You don't have that with barbecues. You've got your two hands, probably a shovel, and a fire. Mm. And you do what you can with that fire, you know? But, I mean, at the end of the day, your number one goal is to make really good barbecue. Right. Well, so, and sides are cool, and they're certainly complimentary, and, and sauce is good sometimes, and it's certainly complimentary, and it should be. But, you know, your number one, your eye on the prize is that piece of meat. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point of interest here. Well, you're certainly doing it. And, uh, like, so coming up next um, on, around the pike, um, you just released a book. Do you have any uh, plans for, I don't know, another another Franklin barbecue? Perhaps in, no, I don't know, Brooklyn? No, no, Boy, one of enough. <laughs> really? Good lordy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just that one place. Keep it keep it as good as we can. And uh, just keep that restaurant running good. That's not, pretty much our number one goal. You're not going to start a chain? Little restaurant empire? No? No, no, no. Wow. Just the one. Wow, that's, that's pretty... Um, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and again, with barbecue, you can't replicate that. Whoever's watching that fire is what it's going to taste like. So you wouldn't be able... Without you know full computer automation, you wouldn't really be able to replicate anything, and that's kind of the craft of it. I mean, you can't take a brewmaster from a you know from a brewery and and take him somewhere else and expect everything to taste the same. You know, right? Because you can't be in two cities. Yeah. So so you're you're basically like at your at your fire pits every day. You see everything that goes through there. Yeah, pretty much. I'm in and out. Um, mm-hmm. I do all meat through the place, and a, we will barbecue pit. And I do a million other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm in and cool. out. If I'm not watching the fires, I'm probably in the kitchen, or I'm out back doing some welding, or I'm on the roof fixing a vent hood, <laughs> or I'm out front during service. Or um, I have omnipresence in that building. I, I love I'm there that all the time. You write. At one point, you wrote something like, "Yeah, and I spend my day. I'm usually putting out fires here." Or like, and then I realized that you were actually talking about tending fires and actually putting out fires. I was like, "Oh, that's really funny." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe a, maybe a small play on words. <laughs> Well, hey, Aaron, thank you so much for this chat. It's really eye-opening. I can't wait to try to smoke a little bit better um, thanks to your book well, here. Well, it's, it's a filthy habit. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking forward to that smoked chicken you're going to have at the restaurant next time I It might turn out pretty it. good. Cool. All right. Well, well, cool. um, well, thanks so much for having me. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 